Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast, also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. And if you'd like to support the show, we also have a Patreon. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash I Love That Movie. Want to take a quick minute to thank our top patrons who are Chris Balga, Jeff Woodman, Michael Cross, and Joseph George. Thank you guys so much for all you do. Uh, we've also got a Teespring store if you want to buy any I Love That Movie swag. And we have a Discord and Facebook group. And this Saturday, uh, we are all going to watch The Temple of Doom together. Basically, we just press play at 8 o'clock central uh, on Saturday. And then in a group chat, we all talk about the movie the whole time super fun we always post our what we're eating selfies things like that it, it's pretty it's pretty fun uh so join us there well i have a returning guest that i actually already just named <laughs> <laughs> uh i have chris say hey hi, chris. guys hey lisa how you doing doing well so chris if people haven't heard you on the show yet can you introduce yourself real quick yeah, my name is Chris. Um, live in North Carolina. I'm an assistant principal at a high school in my area. Um, I also have a podcast called World's Finest True Believers. It's kind of modeled after your show, Lisa, but instead of movies, we kind of the guest comes on and they talk about a graphic novel or a comic book arc that they love and want to gush about. And so you've actually been on twice on my show as well. Yes, it's so fun. Highly recommend. Super flattering that you said you're inspired by this show, but seriously, <laughs> Chris is a pro. Go listen to his show. It's awesome and super fun coming on there. Always a good time, and I always get get love getting the opportunity to come back on your podcast because the number of movies I could want to go over is infinite. <laughs> 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 awesome. Well, what movie are we talking about today? We are talking about Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes, I put out the call to all my listeners and friends. I said, hey, let's try to pick some positive movies. Like, you know, I, I love to like jump around with different genres, but I, I ask that my guests pick some movies that are like a beat or, you know, just feel good films. And you picked Mrs. Doubtfire. And I think that was a great choice. I really enjoy this movie. And I feel like anyone in their late 20s to mid 30s probably really really loved this movie so great choice mm -hmm. um yeah i'm glad you picked it <laughs> yeah no it's it's definitely one of my favorite favorite comedies for for not just obvious reasons but also personal reasons we'll get into later oh awesome well i'll read the synopsis i feel like 
people have the basic premise of this movie down already, but I will go ahead and read the synopsis. And as always, guys, this is not spoiler free, so <laughs> please watch the movie first. But here we go. Troubled that he has little access to his children, divorced Daniel Hillard hatches an elaborate plan. With the help of his creative brother, Frank, he dresses as an older British woman and convinces his ex-wife, Miranda, to hire him as a nanny. Mrs. Doubtfire wins over the children and helps Daniel become a better parent. But when both Daniel and his nanny persona meet different parties at the same restaurant, his secrets could be exposed. And hijinks ensue. (laughs) Lots of situational hijinks. Uh... Chris, when did you first see this movie? I can actually say I I, I did see this in theaters. Um, really? When, yeah. Okay. It, cool. It, it, uh, I I don't remember. I knew it was in Connecticut. I originally lived from Connecticut, but um, yeah, I remember seeing it when it first came out in the theaters, like ninety three. So just shy, probably nine years old at the time. So oh, wow. yeah. So I can actually, you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, I don't remember when I see. It. No, this one I do. This. Distinctly remember seeing it when it first came out. You know, I think I was nine, two, or about to turn 10, because I was born in 83. So. Oh, okay. Yep, I was 84. Yeah. yeah. So, um, wow. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that's how long ago it came <laughs> out until I saw the... So, yeah, I probably saw it in theaters, too, or, or maybe at home. I'm one of those terrible people that can't remember if they saw it in theaters or not. I know Zachy talks about on his show that, like that's like a thing like if you really love movies you remember every movie you saw in the theater i i shamefully don't oh. remember for sure. <laughs> but i know that i've seen this like a million times and it could mm-hmm. just be at that age i didn't go to the theater a lot maybe i just saw a lot of these at home i don't know um but i remember loving it and mm-hmm. i was kind of anxious to watch it again because it had been so long i honestly didn't know what my exact reaction was going to be. Like, I was like, how is this going to age? Not that I thought it would age poorly, but just the fact that I haven't gone back and seen it again, it was like watching it like almost brand new. Well, it, it's not even that. It's just seeing it like at nine or 10 years old. And then how many of the jokes went over my head until I got to be an True. adult and, and just how dirty Rob Williams gets as Mrs. Doubtfire. And I was like, Oh, I know. <laughs> He's raunch. But I mean, Robin Williams was pretty raunchy. Like, yeah, I, uh, I mean, you know, when he was like a stand-up comedian and stuff, I, I feel like people forget that, that like a lot of these actors start out as stand-up comedians. It's like, I mean, think of like Bob Saget, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Everyone thinks Mr. <laughs> Bob Saget's D- Danny Tanner always, no, no, no. Watch, no, 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 no. Wa- watch the, arist- watch the aristica- uh, aristocrats. <laughs> well, so, so don't watch the aristocrats. That's a totally different movie. <laughs> Enjoyable as well for yes. different reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, it's like uh, people our age, I, we remember him as Mrs. Doubtfire and in all the other great roles that he did, you know, in like movies aimed at kids, Aladdin. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he could be pretty raunchy. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize this was directed by Chris Columbus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that 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 was interesting to me. Um, we talked about another Chris Columbus movie earlier around Christmas, uh, Home Alone. Yeah, no, I mean, he always he always seems to find like just different, just movies of the moment. He, he, has, yeah, he has a he's good, good history that. of that. Yeah, um, but you know, it's kind of funny, I guess, like when you grow up with some of these movies like this, like Home Alone, you don't think about the people behind them so much. No. So now that you're older, like, oh, no wonder I like all these movies. Like, <laughs> for instance, when we went to watch this, I messaged you and I was like, how did you watch this? 
because I was struggling to remember. I'm like, is this a Disney film? Oh, Which, yeah. no. <laughs> um, it is far from a Disney film after rewatching it. Um, I don't think you'll see this on Disney Plus anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's a little too, this is a little too edgy for, for Disney+. Plus. <laughs> um, but, you know, I started kind of looking around and it wasn't on any of the streaming services, so I rented it, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny, like, even things like that, like, oh, who made this? And, you know, what studio is it with? So that was kind of cool to go back and, and look at that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, there's just so many, again, tons of great scenes, tons of one-liners, it's, it, it and it's a a good it's very even though it's a comedy it's a very realistic it, it, it treats divorce with realism like it does it does and it, i think it's a little more fair than i thought it was going to be mm-hmm. like sometimes in these kind of movies about divorce you know you naturally pick one person's perspective and, and it is more robin williams perspective but i feel like they do enough to sort of explain that there's a whole situation going on and other mm-hmm. people's motives and other people's uh you know perspectives as well yeah no definitely can't wait to kind of get into all that yeah well let me go ahead and do my quick three facts yeah. and if you've got more you can join in too uh the first one that i had was chris columbus would use two to three cameras when shooting robin williams scenes because he was uncertain of what the uh famously improvisational actor would come up with i feel like that's a really nice way to put it yeah I think, <laughs> maybe unpredictable would be better <laughs> yeah i think i read too that like he had a what was it like a, P, a PG PG thirteen R and NC seventeen edits of the film because that's how oh my that's, gosh. that's like how all over the map Robin Williams was on set. I believe it. Yeah, so he he basically shot it like a documentary, which seems nuts, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, but you kind of have to with him. Um, he's going to improvise, uh, and it's going to be yeah. It's like we've got to put this into a, a family film, so. Good job uh, with that. Um, (laughs) The character Mrs. Doubtfire was first performed by Robin Williams at a show Andy Kaufman did at Carnegie Hall. Williams pretended to be Kaufman's grandmother. Yeah. Oh, those are two great comedians on stage together. That's awesome. I I, I don't think I've ever seen them, like, together. That that show sounds exhausting. (laughs) Right? It sounds tiring. (laughs) But so good to watch, probably. Yeah, um, a slight tangent. Uh, Thomas Middleditch and uh, Ben Schwartz just dropped a, I think it's three or four episodes of just their improvisational special that they do because they they perform together and if you don't know I mean if you know who you probably know who Ben Schwartz is because Mm -hmm. of the Sonic movie and Parks and Rec, um, he's always at like an eleven. Oh, yeah. That's like how he is, um, you know, especially when doing improv. And Thomas Middleditch, a lot of people know from you know, some bit parts, but also from Silicon Valley. Um, and what you don't get from seeing him in those things is he's the exact same energy, maybe more. Mm-hmm. So the two of them together, they were touring and I was like, man, I really want to see them. Although that will be a really high energy show. <laughs> and then, of course, things got canceled and then they dropped the special. So quick plug, if you like a lot of high energy and improv, that that's something you could watch right now. <laughs> Great. De- I definitely have to yeah. look that up. Yeah, it's super fun. Um, so the last thing that I had was Stu was originally scripted to be an arrogant villain. But Chris Columbus felt that it hurt the relationship with Mrs. Doubtfire. So Stu was rewritten to be more like the perfect pr- 
potential replacement for the father of the kids. Yeah, I, I like what it is. I think Pierce Brosnan, this character is Stu, is, it is an accurate portrayal. And they don't, he's, he shows at different points in the movie that he is not, outside of a few lines against Daniel, you know, which, you know, if anyone's trying to, you know, marry or date, you know, a, a divorcee, you know, it, it's expected. But he, I think at points you do see that he does care about Miranda and the kids. Like he's, he, he's genuine in that. I think that's what I didn't remember as an adult, because probably when I saw this as a kid, I don't think I could really put all that together. True. Like, I think that I probably viewed Pierce Brosnan's character as bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now as an adult, I'm like, oh, and you can see how they probably altered the script a lot. Like, I feel giving Stu and uh, Sally Field's character history was probably another way to kind of make you feel better. Like, oh, well, they knew each other before this, so he's not just swooping in. You know, like they do little things throughout mm-hmm. the film to kind of make it, you feel better about it. Like they, hit, um, they hint at, like they've actually might have had a flirtation in college or yeah. before, before her and Daniel had gotten together seriously. Yeah, like I found myself saying, oh, they, you know, actually Nick was like, oh, well, they knew each other, so it's not that weird. And then I went, yeah, I guess that would be weird for Robin Williams' character. And I was like, oh, but what if they met before they met? Then that's not so, like, I found myself, like, you know, like, rationalizing (laughs) it. Um, But also, uh, what a nightmare that would be for your... uh, for your ex-wife to be interested in James Bond. I, I know. Mean, that's, that's a pretty big blow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, he'll, I think that's an okay thing for him to always be everything else he's done in his life. No, you're still, you're always going to be remembered for James Bond. That's not a bad thing to hang your hat on. At all. And, and was he James Bond like during this movie? Cause when did Goldeneye come out? When it, did, like... If it, if it wasn't already out, it had to be very soon. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up really fast. Yeah, I promise. I know. He, I mean, I know famously he was offered the role. 1995. Yeah, yeah. so he's probably just getting ready to either get ready to film. But yeah, he was offered that role twice. Um, wow. He during the what became the Timothy Dalton era. Um, that's the first time he was offered it, but instead oh. um, he was doing Remington Steel, and they the show came back last minute to be renewed, and so he couldn't do it, and thought he never had another chance. So they were maybe in this movie they had like the low budget yeah. <laughs> bond, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but still a lot to contend with. Mm-hmm. Well, um, did you have any quick facts that you wanted to throw in too? It's always interesting to see who they wanted to consider, um, but I did get found a confirmation that Tim Allen was actually their first choice for Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, huh. And he turned it and he turned it down <laughs> because he was unsatisfied with the script and the scheduling conflicts with Home Improvement. So. That's fine. I, I'm I'm happier with Robin Williams. <laughs> I mean, it's just like I could. I mean, Tim did uh, Santa Claus. Yeah. You know, um, so I could see him doing something like this. But I don't know. It's just the way that Robin Williams can like truly transform himself is just it's it's too good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was Tim yeah. Allen's first one, first film he got into. So you know, he ended up. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he ended, <laughs> he, he ended up okay. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so wow, that's 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 cool to know. I always love hearing those like possible castings. And it's weird, like so that means Robin Williams wasn't even their first choice. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see what they saw in Tim Allen at first, and not and not Robin Williams as their first choice. But I, I found another thing, kind of how you said like he tried out Mrs. Doubtfire with Andy Kaufman. According to one biography, um, he apparently tried to also test out the believability of Mrs. Doubtfire. 
by going out as her into an adult bookstore and making a purchase and was able yeah. to, and was able to do so without being recognized. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like even if you could tell somebody was wearing makeup or whatever at like a store like that, I feel like you would just be like, all right, we get a lot of different people in here. So <laughs> I'm just going to let that go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're just going to say. But I love that he did that. Yeah. And then uh, last one, I thought was this was nice to hear. Um, you know, he said he made this movie to make up for not getting to spend enough time with his kids. Mm. Wow, that's heavy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> a lot to think about there. Yep. Um, I think, you know, I remember as a kid, real quick tangent again, um, my dad used to hate the movie Hook. <laughs> Because there's that part for that movie. I don't, but I don't either. I love it. I would love to talk about it. Um, But in that film, uh, you know, there's that there's that one part where uh, Robin Williams character is too busy to hang out with his kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Wendy's like, Peter, you've become a pirate. And that really hurt my dad's feelings. He was like, you know, I don't have control over how busy I am. True. And, you know, especially since my parents were divorced and it really, you know, it, it always would really get to him if a movie criticized being busy as a parent. I feel like this was a time where in the 90s, you know, a lot of kids were dealing and parents and families were dealing with divorce and, you know, uh, households with single income. So mm-hmm. I think that's why they touched on it so much in movies around that time. But it's funny just, you know, seeing it from his perspective, he kind of didn't like that. Yeah, I can yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. yeah, and so I always kind of think about it because in the movie, I mean, they set it up like he's not just busy; he's like choosing to be busier. Um, so that's why that that's a sting. Uh, but in a more modern sense, it's like yeah, people can't always they don't always have control over that. Mm-hmm. Um, another '90s classic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I guess. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the the other actors? I think we talked about Robin Williams mm-hmm. a little bit about Pierce Brosnan. What about Sally Field? I forgot she was in this. Uh, <laughs> I forgot she was the mom. I, I think she's she's also perfectly cast as, you know, a, a complete good foil for, you know, Robin Wood's character being a, a voice actor and a comedian in his own right. But like she's the she's the quote unquote responsible one. And, you know, yes. just I mean, Sally Field's just awesome, awesome actress. I mean, that's you know academy award winning oh yeah know. she was huge during this time too this was like her heyday <laughs> yeah exactly so i mean i am i'm fine saying this i'm completely comfortable with this i actually like the movie steel magnolias <laughs> oh i do too um i think she's awesome in it um i mean forrest gump obviously as forrest mom i mean just oh, yeah. so many diff- different roles i mean what was it the flying nun was another thing uh norma what was the one um I think she won her first Academy Award. It was a union uh, leader. I can't remember what that one was. Uh, it's going to bother me, but. <laughs> <laughs> You'll think of it tonight. I will. Tonight. I will. <laughs> <laughs> like midnight. Um, yeah, I just, it's a really big uh, and a really good casting choice. Um, she definitely brings a lot of, you know, you have a lot of empathy for her character. Mm-hmm. She's definitely not just like the bad guy, like, ugh, mean Norma ex-wife. Ray. Like, That's it. Norma Ray. Yep. Oh, okay, perfect. So I, I, I did like that about about the way she plays the character and she's funny um, and she's just, like you said, a really good foil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and probably a lot of a lot of older generations maybe more know her from like, what was it, Smokey and the Bandit? 
Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think, so for me, like some of the movies you mentioned, I haven't seen. So I feel like I'm like at the cusp of like <laughs> seeing some of those or not seeing them, you know, depending on what your movie exposure was. True, true. But yeah, no, great casting for this. I mean, like you said, just everyone, the kids, Pierce Brosnan. The kids are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that was Matt Lawrence. I know. I, I, so I, young. I'd forgotten the, all the, what was it, the heyday of the Lawrence brothers. Oh, I know. I was trying to explain to Nick. I was like, I don't know. Oh, I was like, they were brothers. And I think they worked at like a, their dad had like a mechanic shop. And I had to look it up. Brotherly love. Yes. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was on Boy Meets World too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was like trying to explain it. Nick was like, what are you talking about? I was like, it was basically home improvement, but like much sweeter, like the Disney version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so really big cast uh, for, for the time. Um do you want to dive into some of your favorite scenes? Yes, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> uh, go, go ahead. <laughs> there are. I, um, I don't know. It's, it's starting off. It, I think the biggest thing is always takes me, but take just amazing is how that opening scene where how many voices just one person can do in Robin Williams, you know, for that cartoon. I know they must have like. Well, you know, we already mentioned that Chris Columbus said he did a lot of Im- improvising, so. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, it's like he probably had a vision of what that scene looked like. And it goes on for kind of a long time, yeah. like longer than I think they intended it to. But it's just so funny that it's like you can't stop watching. No, you can't. It got when he gets let go and he um, he, he, he thing that made me tip my head even at that age was just like his son saying he's kind of a party, even though Miranda doesn't want him having to ends up being a a zoo a petting zoo party for a teenage <laughs> or a preteen boy um i don't know if that'd be on my list of things that would say awesome <laughs> but you know whatever uh nick said the same thing he said that uh w- when you see all the animals and then you see the guests nick was like yeah. i thought that kid was like 12 how come the guests are like five <laughs> <laughs> especially when they go especially when the when he goes like would you i got surprised a stripper uh, no 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 two strippers oh boy and then we go to petting zoo oh okay right, go. he's like all right dad <laughs> seems like this is more for you yeah and like also the cake his mom brings too has like a big zebra on it i'm like I got kind of confused. I'm like, I think maybe it was a it's soccer for... ball. Oh, soccer ball. Yep. That's right. Oh, okay. You're 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 absolutely right because he loves soccer. Um, yeah, that was probably more his speed. But maybe he didn't want to hurt his dad's feelings. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, I guess <laughs> I'll take the party. Whatever. <laughs> that first scene, though, I have to tell you, like when uh, Sally Field walks in the door and sees everything, or or even when the cop like is like, you live here, and she's like, oh god. Um, I was like, okay, I'm already on her side. Like as yeah. an adult. I'm like, this isn't okay. And Nick was like, yeah, he's not one of the kids. Like, this is terrible parenting, even though we don't have kids, but <laughs> we're mm-hmm. still commenting on it. But yeah, it's like funny, that scene as a, as a child, when he gets in trouble, I was like, oh, that's so mean. He threw a great birthday party. And as an adult, you're like, oh, this is a, this is a hot mess. It's, it's one of good. the things they teach you as a parent. Don't let your kids play, play you off each other. <laughs> <laughs> right 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 <laughs> but it was you know when they had that argument in the kitchen it just you know un, you know being a child of two divorces it's 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 one of those moments that's one of the real parts of this movie is you know the con the the fight that they have and you know daniel's not understanding that you know miranda can't try anymore it's not getting better he hasn't tried it and you know and the kids listening upstairs you know Ugh. you know it was yeah it but then you flash forward to him staying with his brother Frank. <laughs> they don't focus yeah. on 
They don't focus. That's true. With, with Harvey, uh, Harvey Firestein, you know, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, that scene where uh, Robin Williams and, and Sally Field have that talk. And I do think like as in Dom, like that's pretty painful, you know, to, mm-hmm. to be in that moment of you think that every argument you have with your spouse is going to be resolved mm-hmm. and then realizing that there's something you've missed and things have changed. That's, that's pretty hard. And, and um, you know, it, it, it's like I said, this, even though it's a comedy, there are these moments that it presents these real moments. It doesn't try to shy away from it necessarily, nor does it try to beat you over the head with it. Like some other movies do. That's true because you feel enough emotion in that moment to be like, Oh, that is relatable. Like everybody has had experience either, parents that uh, went through a divorce like you mentioned my parents divorced when I was four um, or you've been in a relationship that's ending mm-hmm. and that's a tough conversation no matter what well it's like when uh, his brother is Frank's on the phone with his mother and saying uh, yes <laughs> it's like, my, my marriage is not my marriage is not ending it's just on hiatus mom I think he's in a little bit of denial yeah it's perfect it's like everyone around you can see that it's not working except you basically (laughs) and then the mother says she wants to know if you want to stay with her it's like no way he said he'll think about it yeah very diplomatic (laughs) he's lucky he has the brother he has though oh yes for many reasons yeah it's he's it would be it's it would just be interesting to see what them young together would be like, you know? <laughs> right, right. Uh, two very interesting people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that my going on with the voices, be it the, you know, the court liaison scene where he meets the court liaison for the first time and she asked him, like, do you, do you have any special skills? I was like, oh, yes, I, I do voices. What do you mean? Well, I do voices. And he goes on that whole spiel of just different, (laughs) a monster, James Bond himself, all these different things. And then she adds, Mr. Hiller, do you consider yourself funny? I used to. (laughs) There was a time I did consider myself funny. However, you have proven me wrong. (laughs) I feel like in that moment, though, he loves playing off of someone who is not buying it. Oh, yeah. Because that just makes you want to annoy them more almost. But yeah, like I and, and the actress in that movie, I, I don't know her name in that scene, but she looks so freaking familiar. I feel like I saw her in a ton of stuff and she plays that character so well. Yeah, she's very good. It, I kind of guess you're a standard kind of typecast straight, straight character. Yeah. So, but um, trying to think of something else, um, you know, going on with the, you know, the phone calls to Miranda when he finds out that she's trying to place an ad for, for a nanny and, and, <laughs> yeah. and the kids are saying, Oh, d- dad can watch us. And the, the, the apartment's in disarray. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, dad is your best friend. He is not your parent right now. Well, it's, 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 it's so, it's so good that digs, they get on at each other and it says, are my children ready? No, our children are not ready yet. <laughs> yes. or commenting on how she looks so oh, i love this i love this dances with wolf motif what are you shops with a fist <laughs> it's awesome um but yeah there's all the all the different just just to screw with her and i don't even know i think he kind of it almost looks like he gets trapped when he finds out that one of the voices she ends up being interested in you know, I don't know if that was—I oh. I don't know if that was his objective. <laughs> Eventually, I think maybe at first he was like, "Let's just have fun with her." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
but it, it's it's just interesting how he just ends up picking that one voice and that becomes the the whole attitude and then he shows up at his brother's house saying can you make me a woman <laughs> and all the different possibilities that they try to make him look like a woman <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think too like uh nick and i were talking about last night we feel like this movie ages fairly well i was like uh-oh because um, you're running into dicey territory i think a little bit when you do like you know, a movie where someone's being the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. But I feel that because he's being like this old lady that's like much, much heavier, much older than him. I mean, he's truly transforming. So like when people have this shocking, you know, response to him, it's like, well, yeah, because I mean, he looks absolutely nothing like what he did before. Oh, no. I mean, not even just that he's a woman. It's like he's this parody of what a woman would be and it's just <laughs> like it's, it, it's his eyes that everyone keeps on noticing that they become familiar with like he just has mm -hmm. his very familiar eyes but i love it that we don't see mrs doubtfire until he uh she comes to the house and that's when you finally see yes. the full reveal of it i think that was a great choice on <laughs> christopher columbus's part not to film that until walking through it's perfect um you know, all, I, I thought one of the interesting things about the movie is all the different music, musical number, like not musical numbers, but like the, the soundtrack of that they were able to get from Frank Sinatra to Aerosmith to... It's a good point. All the, and, and I remember listening to the commentary years ago, Christopher Columbus said that was one of the most expensive parts of the film was getting the licensing rights to all the songs and for how long they could play. I think he said the Frank Sinatra one was... For just a small segment they got, it was like gobs of money. Wow. But it makes such a difference because when I think about this movie, I do think about those songs. Mm -hmm. it, so that's that's a really good way to sort of cement the movie in your mind. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, it, you know, going back to Miss Elder, that, that other famous scene where she, he, Ms. Doubtfire runs into Miss Elder, who's trying to do her inspection of the apartment, and he, she has to pass herself off as Daniel's sister. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's a, a great kind of homage to all the screwball comedies of, you know, all like, you know, as we talked about on, on, pa on yeah. Patreon, like, you know, the Marx Brothers. And, you know, he has to get out of the get up, go out there, and then he makes a comment, say, oh, she makes a wicked cup of tea. He's like, oh, I would like to have some tea. Oh, wouldn't we all? <laughs> yeah it's very um it feels improvisational even though there's a setup and you know people are in makeup and costumes and stuff like that mm -hmm. it feels like give me a crazy scenario and then i act it out and and i think that's why that scene works so well and why robin williams is such a good choice for that role because he knows what to do with a scene like that yeah and it just it's almost it, to not have that kind of sequence in the movie we get it twice actually in one movie Right, um, right. For it not to be in the movie at some point would just be kind of like, how did this not like kind of blow up in his face at some point? You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's too convenient. It, he even he fools his own kids and ex-wife. Mm, I don't know. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for so long, you can buy it to some extent, but you know, I, I found out that the when he loses the mask and he, you know, needs to find a face to hide it at that point, does the the cake and it starts dripping into her, oh in, into her yes. um. Uh, the tea um apparently that was not intentional um it was that's awesome it was literally <laughs> that they the lamps on set the lights were so hot that it was melting off of the face 
uh, off of his oh face. Oh my gosh, so, how perfect. <laughs> so they just left it in um, and, and just because it came off perfectly. And of course, Rob Williams being as improv and just goes with it, he just plays it off like it was supposed to happen like that. That's great. And like, I love too that I was thinking about in that scene that uh, that the that the woman that comes to the house can sort of justify it in her mind, like, well, she's older, like maybe something's just off, or mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like, she re- she reacts to it so not nonplus, like she reacts a little bit, but not she's not suspicious. Or no, anything. in fact, when she tries and, to like it, she fi- she believes it when it's when it's face cream and, and yeah. tries to put a little bit on her and taste it and just like, all right. <laughs> I want to believe that was improv improvised too. It would uh, that would funny. be awesome on her part if she said, "Ah, let me go with it." <laughs> yeah, it's like whatever works. Um, yeah, that's that's a good scene, and and the fact that he can really alter his voice so quickly, like not that the situation is that believable, but it adds some credibility to it. You know what I mean? Like you can sort of suspend your belief because it, it's just he can sound so different in mm-hmm. like a split second. What are some of your favorite scenes? So you kind of touched on one already. The hello is like the part that everyone uh, quotes. Um, <laughs> the other part that everyone quotes is at the swimming pool, the drive-by fruiting. Oh, yes. Uh, when when uh, when Mrs. Doubtfire throws a lemon mm-hmm. at the back of Pierce Brosnan's head and he whips around and she's like, oh, you know, the person that did it, they just left. <laughs> like, so unbelievable. <laughs> um, I think also as a kid, I didn't pick up on a lot of the mean comments she says to Pierce Brosnan's character. Oh, yes. Um, they're very funny and they just go on and on and on and on belittling him and the way he just takes it like very good uh, straight man reactions, I think, on his part. Oh, that I mean, I'll jump to that part because that's I now as an adult, I can't. I literally, when I watched it this weekend, I almost fell out of my seat <laughs> laughing just because I get all these jokes now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that whole conversation when he, when Stu and Miss Doubtfire are alone at the table, and he just goes off, and he was so funny, just so dirty. And the big saying, uh, what was it? Saying, uh, you know, but it, it gave her like the necklace saying, oh, that's a bit of a going down payment to hide the weasel, pop the porpoise. It's <laughs> 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 like, I hope you're up for a little competition. She got a power tool in the bedroom. Yeah. Like, wow. Really, dude? You're like, <laughs> or it's like <laughs> that's so funny. So if we got, if we got the cocktail sauce and she's got crabs and I'm not talking about the dungeness kind. It's funny, his expression, just like rolling his eyes at that, like, come on, you're trying too hard to get us not to date. This is not going to work on me. I love that well, part. He, that, it was very much improv, and he was trying so hard to get Pierce Brosnan to break character. Like, there are oh, awesome. the deleted scenes of this. <laughs> they, that scene goes on for a long time, because it's just Rob Williams as, being as dirty as possible. And, and Brosnan is like genuinely embarrassed, trying to hold back laughing at points. <laughs> I love that. I also liked uh, when he's at the bar. I always forget about the part where he like winks at that pretty girl and she just oh, yeah. gets like annoyed and leaves. He's like, I'll buy you a drink. She's like, no. I'm like, that would be so bizarre. Just forget yourself. You're a little too tipsy and you forget that you're in a costume. Yeah, that seems to be a problem he struggles with in uh, the movie. Leads to some other. Yeah, I, I like looking at that too. Like when he first begins in Ms. Doubtfire and has his first couple of days there, he, he does a good job of understanding that he can't be daniel he has to be mrs doubtfire and you can see it pains him at points especially in the beginning that he has to be kind of 
you know, very much rules and expectations and, and there's punishments that come with this. So, you know, it, it, it just really does bother him at first. But, you know, as he goes on and spends so much more time as Mrs. Doubtfire, he becomes a better father. He, he, he wants yes, to be better, yeah. like not only just living wise, but just a person. Right. And, and it's interesting that embodying this female character enables him to see it from his wife's perspective. Like he sees her role in the family completely differently when he's in her shoes, essentially. Because that's really what happens in the movie by being a maid. Yeah. <laughs> he ends up like, you know, it's sort of a commentary on that a little bit too because he's got this full-time job. He's working because mm -hmm. uh, he gets a job in the process of being Mrs. Daffar. I'm sure we'll talk about that in yeah. a second. <laughs> but um you know, he's working and he's a maid and he's spending time with his kids. He's realizing, oh, wait a minute. My wife had to do that. <laughs> she had to work all day, then come home and clean. And she mentions that as one of her big problems with the marriage was that she felt that she was really uh, taking on all that responsibility. Not only did she have to work all day, but then she came home and had to, you know, essentially be a housewife as well. Yeah, and and she was struggling with that. I never noticed that as a kid, uh, that that's what that character was going through. Yeah, you know, I, I only thought about it like, oh, they divorced. You know, and I and I like that conversation is had because yeah. it, and it only because Daniel wouldn't when she tried to tell him, even though that only scene we saw them arguing. You can know this conversation is not the first time they've had this conversation at that point, but he wasn't listening. But as Miss Doubtfire, you know, when Miranda's saying you know, how good it was with Daniel and then what happened as their marriage got, you know, you know, they had kids and she got a job and he was in and out of work. He didn't want to hear it as Daniel, but he can't help but have to hear it and have to respond appropriately with Ms. Doubtfire because if he doesn't respond, if he comes off as a joke or turns against her, you, you know, that's not how it does. And so, but she makes the comment, Miranda makes the comment saying, when I'm not with him, I'm a better person. And I'm sure he Ugh. is better too. And I think that really hits home to him. And I think he starts realizing that I don't think he, I don't think this has ever been. And I like that this is not about getting Miranda back at some point. You know, it, it's, it's not about yeah. that for him. It, it, it's truly about, he wants to be with his kids, but it also, he realizes as the ex-husband, as a father, you know, he was not a good husband, but she does say he was an amazing, he was a great father. Yeah, and essentially a good person. Like, even in the first scene when he loses his job, I noticed that, you know, he lost it on principle. He's like, this is something I'm not willing to do. I'm not going to compromise my mm -hmm. morals. Kids shouldn't smoke cigarettes. I'm out. And there's something admirable about that that I think sort of comes up later. You know, it leads to a, a job where it's children focused and it's yeah. in a way moral focused. Um but it's like in the moment, it's great to have morals and to stand up for them. It's just that he never really follows through on like what those consequences are. You know, I think he would make decisions like that and he would think, I'll figure it out later. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, my wife's got a good job. He didn't have that ability to step back and kind of look at where things were. And it really feels like it was just a story about two people that were growing at different rates, you yeah. know. Sally Field's character was at a point in her life that she wanted to be, her career growing, family and stuff like that. I think Robin Williams was a little behind. So you get the sense in the movie through his character growth that although it's sad that they split up, you know, he has the opportunity now to find someone mm -hmm. more his speed and also to learn and grow and be better in the second relationship. I mean, we don't always 
do it perfectly the first time. And I think that's actually okay. Yeah. And it is kind of cool that a movie at that time uh, embrace that idea because I think it's yeah like you were saying like it'd be tempting to go one way or the other like either be on just the wife side or be on the husband side and the goal be to get back together mm-hmm. maybe the goal is just to be better you know yeah. and do better in the future and especially when she says like I'm finding more time to be get home earlier things like that it brings her up a point like when she was the only one trying to help out trying to do everything she she was sacrificing both being a mother a wife and and doing her job but now she can feel like she can be effectively as both and that's thanks to mrs doubtfire and daniel realizes like oh my gosh i i didn't realize this and like you said everyone's on their own journey to understand this and it's unfortunate that it took this but you can see him growing in a positive way with it yeah, and I think you can kind of relate to both characters, too. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's probably been in a position where they've had a, a stressful job and, you know, they come home and they're like, I can't do this by myself, yeah. you know, and, and and almost every relationship that conversation's had. And sometimes you're on one side or the other. So the, I think, yeah, the movie does a good job of just sort of exploring exploring that. And it, it makes you really like uh, who, you know, Robin Williams' character becomes, who Mrs. Doubtfire is makes a, a very endearing character i think i want to talk about like the kids too i think the kids oh, yeah. are not only just perfectly cast but their personalities are are so important to this this film in the sense you've got natty the youngest just her daddy can do no wrong in the sense or yeah or she just looks up to him so much chris views him as his best friend my funny guy Lydia is such like Miranda. She wants mm-hmm. she wants to she's trying to like in that scene at the table the first time when they're at Daniel's place having dinner, it's just like you're not trying, Dad. You know, this isn't easy for all of us. We want you to be successful. We want this to be work, but you gotta do better. Yeah, it's gotta be tough being that age, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard for all the kids, but it's probably I think extra hard on the older kids because they really know what's happening and you get the sense that her character really understands the dynamics between her parents and she can see it. He can't just like say like, Oh, we're having a fun night. Like she can read on his face what's going on. And openly bashing their mother in front of them is not going (laughs) to win anyone any fault. Yeah. A big no, no in any divorce (laughs) with kids. Do not do this. Yeah. What's the old bad life doing? I'm sorry, mom. (laughs) (laughs) but i love the way his youngest daughter uh you know she goes well what does that mean and then the yeah the the mepic dysentery (laughs) yeah he's like it's when you diarrhea till you die um and she goes that's what you want to happen to mommy and he's like of course not she's like but why would you say it and it kind of makes him pause and reflect Mm -hmm. on it like huh you're right i can't say that if i don't mean it yeah, it's, especially in front of these kids, and I thought that was a good moment yeah, too. Yeah, but he he has some of his best lines with Natty. Like there's another one where they're at the pool, and Stu comes up and says, "Oh, oh, Natty, look, that's called liposuction." Oh, yeah, <laughs> and she's like, "You have a different body than Daddy." Like that part was, that was really not, good. Not everyone <laughs> has like, their own personal dang. trainer. <laughs> It's just, I think that that whole pool sequence, like you said, was just good when him saying, uh, you know, when Stu says, oh, Miss Dotfire, are you going to jump in? Oh, you wicked, wicked man. There's enough flesh for you to feast your eyes on. <laughs> I've definitely, I remember <laughs> when I went to, um, the only time I've ever been to Vegas, um, 
my first and only time, not saying I wouldn't go back, but was for a, a bachelor party. So what better experience than going to Vegas at the bachelor party? Oh my gosh, that sounds, <laughs> uh, you know, earlier I said that, you know, that show with Andy Kaufman and Robin Williams yep. is exhausting. Vegas uh, for a bachelor party would be exhausting. Well, I'll have to tell you a story <laughs> off air of how exhausting it was. But, um, oh dear. But we went to, we went to like a that big pool party that my friend had paid extra for us to all get into. And I literally walk in there and turn to one of my friends who would hopefully, who did pick up on the sign says, look at this, Dave, not a body found in nature. <laughs> yeah it's like being there in miami yep yep exactly <laughs> but uh, uh but it, it just loved the the dialogue but it, especially when the kid when chris and lydia found find out you know of course when he's going to the bathroom like a guy would <laughs> oh my gosh that part that broke that kid's poor brain oh it did it's like he's a he he's a he she's he <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it's just like dad you really don't like do you really do you really like wearing this stuff oh no something's not oh what are you kidding it's a pain in the padded ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah wearing heels i i can attest it's not fun that i i I have ever since that move. Ever since I heard that line, like I've ever find the male chauvinistic bastard who invented heels, I'll kill him. I always go up to either girlfriends or now my wife and say, "Why do you wear that? You know, all you do is complain <laughs> all night about it. Why do you wear it? It does look good." Oh, I know. <laughs> Nick hates it when I'm like, "I'm gonna wear these." He goes, "Cause he just knows that yep. 20 minutes in, I'm gonna be like, I can't do this anymore." Because <laughs> <laughs> I get so. it. You all want to look good. I get it. But why do you put yourself through that much pain? There's so much expectation. You don't understand. I don't. I really don't. And that's and that's that's an honest to God truth. I am a man and I understand it, but I don't understand it. Oh, it's terrible when you go somewhere and everyone's wearing heels and you're wearing flats. Just trust yeah. me. Yeah. Oh, I will. I will. I get. I get. I totally understand it. Um, but but yeah, that. And then we get to you know, I found it interesting where, you know, he gets that job doing the, the boxing and the shipping. Of with the, the canisters with the with his boss Lou is like, what do you do? You have, oh you, yeah, you box those, you ship those. After you box them, you ship them. <laughs> <laughs> but then he gets that moment where he sees the the kids show not doing well, and he has you know Mr. Lundy, and he sees him later on trying to do some a dinosaur show for everyone. He loves it. He wants to talk to him, and then you get that other scene where. They go back and forth. Rob Williams has to go back and forth. Daniel being Daniel and then being, um, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. And I was going to say in that scene where he stumbles upon him, you know, first of all, he drops a truth bomb about that one show being terrible. Yep. And then he stumbles upon him playing with dinosaurs. And I told Dick, I'm like, that's what you always think is going to happen. Because movies tell you that your next big break yeah. is like someone's going to casually see you like doing something amazing. Like I remember taking this like ridiculous fitness class that was like a hip hop class. Mm -hmm. And of course, I was a horrible dancer. But I kept joking to Nick that I was waiting for someone to point at me and say, <laughs> you know what? You can really dance. <laughs> Never happened. You are Never so happens like this in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Paula Abdul ain't got nothing on you. <laughs> right i'm just waiting to be discovered uh but yeah so i that i always appreciate that in films um also i want to say his boss some questionable business decision making oh yeah man. like first of all he's he tells him like oh you're the only guy that's telling me the truth i'm like i feel like that's not true um and then when they go to the restaurant and he proceeds to like you know liquor mrs doubt or sorry daniel up and himself 
um it's like gosh this is a, a business meeting it's the it's 90s just... you know before that's things true, that's true. <laughs> like it wasn't <laughs> it's just it, like... it wasn't okay then but it was just accepted or just ignored yeah i was like man at my job they were always discouraged drinking on the job <laughs> but yeah like it, it was just funny because he immediately is like i'll have a double and he's like me too and he's like oh crap i already had that wine and it just goes downhill from there yeah just all the mistakes like he <laughs> he ends up almost going into the wrong at one point going into the wrong restroom and then he comes out doesn't take off his makeup and tries to play it off they he met up with a waitress who was a, a former girlfriend. And then and Lundy goes, does she have a girl for me? And he thinks it's like a lesbian thing. He's like, oh, it's the 90s. No, for me. Oh, okay. I'll ask. What kind of inappropriate stuff are you talking about, guys? I know. And like this idea that the guy that you invited to talk business about left to go to the bathroom and made out with somebody that's okay to you like that wouldn't be a huge red flag and remember like you're trying to hire this person for a children's show mind you children's show i i kept thinking that too like he kept like explaining it and i'm like this is for children <laughs> i mean i didn't like that boring dinosaur show either but you need some standards yeah you know you gotta run this by somebody <laughs> and, and you know it was even more interesting when the revelation does happen when you know Stu ends up choking because D- Daniel puts cayenne pepper, All that uh, pepper, pepper on yeah. the because uh, <laughs> he knows that Stu had said that he was allergic to pepper and can't can't handle it, and so he goes. Oh, for sure. Anytime a character says they're allergic oh, yeah. to something, that's happening. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and so does does the you know Heimlich maneuver. And I don't know what that, I don't think we can even call it anymore. I think they got sued for people calling it <laughs> like, but <laughs> just CPR. Um, and the, you know, comes out and then it, the revelation, it's Daniel underneath the mask and just how mortified, you know, Miranda is. And then Lundy still hires him. What was that? Con- <laughs> My question is, what was that conversation like saying, um, can you tell me what was that all about? I pretended that he was so drunk by that point, he didn't really remember much that, of that night that, other than the meeting. That is true. When he does sit down and says, Daniel, why are you dressed as a woman? <laughs> yeah, he's like pretty gone. Um, but yeah, like I feel bad for his wife because it's like, okay, not only did you lie to me, but like you've been actively deceiving me and having conversations with me as this other person for such a long time. Like in real life, there was be no coming back from that. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and you know the the court scene after just how you know the judge doesn't even want to listen to Daniel even. Even I believe it's it's very heartfelt and saying, you know, how much he's grown and like he just wants to be with the kids and just how heart wrenching it was for the judge to say he's going to have supervised visitation and is encouraging him to seek psychiatric help. Yeah, although in real life, it would be understandable. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but in the context of the film, yeah, that's horrible. Like, uh, and you can eat- I mean, I think that's every parent's worst nightmare if they're going to go through a divorce would be losing your children. And oh, yeah. It, it is a difficult battle anybody that's been through something like that knows that it gets rough and i mean i was i'm the- i'm thankful enough that i mean just decided breaking my father's heart my sister chose my mom and i chose my dad you know we didn't have to go in front of a courtroom to oh you know, really to do that. okay and, and they respect they respected our choices but you know i've had friends that didn't get that opportunity like their their parents didn't allow them that choice and, wow and, um, yeah my parents decided to share custody, but, yeah. you know, it was always a dicey kind of thing for a long time. Oh, yeah. It's just tough. Especially, you know? yeah, yeah, the, the weekend visits and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, it was always dicey. Um, but you could see how even shocked and 
even that Miranda is at that one. Like she can say, she even starts realizing the courtroom that maybe that's a little too far. Oh yeah. She, I mean, he was not a great partner, but he didn't do anything that deserves to have his kids ripped away from him. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, especially like, yeah, she was also kind of unreasonable. I will say that one dinner scene where she was like, she dropped them off an hour late yes, that... <laughs> and then she picked him up an hour early and she was trying to justify it. Like, well, I have all this stuff to do. It's like, okay, but they're your kids. Like you can't just say you're busy. And if he only gets one day, like that seemed kind of unreasonable. Yeah. And I think she does have a tendency to uh, get a little too caught up in schedules mm -hmm. <laughs> in the film. And I think they sort of imply that she's got blind spots too. And, and I think the moment at the courtroom is for her to see that is like, okay, I can, I can get my way sometimes and I, I, you know, there, I'm certainly not always wrong. I'm right a lot of the time. Uh, but this is an area where I need to be a little more flexible. Yeah. And so she kind of has that character arc as well. And, and that conversation, you know, I love it that I would love to see a Mrs. Doubtfire show. Just saying, I even today, seriously, <laughs> just seeing that he has that show um, and the kids run in and hear him and see the show and just the, it, it's just pure, he gets to be the, the, the star he wants to be and talk to kids and bring good lessons forward. But, you know, Miranda showing up on set um, they, and they have that conversation, a very real conversation. And I completely agree. They both have a right to be angry with each other. You know, Daniel has a right. Miranda has a right. And, yeah, it's usually not all one-sided, you know, that that happens with relationships. Yeah. And then Miranda admitting that, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire brought up the best in the kids and mm -hmm. Daniel says that it brought out the best in Miranda. Um, yeah. and, and Miranda admits that it brought the best out in Daniel too, you know? And, and mm -hmm. you know, I like that they're able to come to an understanding and she realizes that the kids really do need him in their lives more than just once a week, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I love it that we get Mr. Sprinkle, the actor who shows her place. He still got, you know, that that was a nice thing to put in there that, you know, yeah. <laughs> that he didn't totally, <laughs> he may have gotten fired, but he still gets to keep a job. Yeah, it was just time to pass the torch. It didn't have to be a immediate firing. <laughs> but I want to bring up something that I didn't really appreciate until later on after seeing this a number of times, especially growing up. Um, Daniel never steps foot in the house after the divorce ever he he only steps oh. in as mrs doubtfire and that becomes very apparent at the ending scene when she reveals that you know they're gonna you know dan's gonna pick him up in the afternoon gonna spend some time with them um and then miranda invites him in and he says no i'll wait out here like he never steps foot through that door at once the divorce is final um as daniel ever again he only goes into mrs doubtfire and i thought that was very subtle that obviously I didn't pick up as a kid, but, you know, watching that yeah. and seeing that, I think that's, that's very important. Like, again, I love, I really enjoy that this movie does not try to be, and I don't think it ever was at one point, except maybe initially, you know, like maybe when they first wrote yeah, well, it, like an early draft. Well, yeah. like, you know, when he says like his marriage is just on hiatus and stuff like that, but he starts realizing very quickly. So I don't think it, it, it really ever became a movie of, him trying to get back with Miranda. It got very quickly that about his kids, but he understands You're that right. this is not, you know, she needs to move on with her life. I need to move on with my life. Um, and, you know, I, I really, 
I, I want to read that the the letter that um, he reads at the end as Mrs. Doubtfire that the kid wrote because I think it's so important. Oh, um, I, I love that one. Yeah, he go says, for you it. know, dear Mrs. Doubtfire, two months ago my mom and dad decided to separate. Now they live in different houses. My brother Andrew says that we aren't going to be a family more. Is that true? Did I lose my family? Is there anything I can do to get my parents back together? I just want to stop right there. I might get a little emotional just because that's what every kid, oh, that's know. what every kid feels. That's what I felt when my parents got first divorced. Sure. You know, it was just like, what do I have to do? And, and even their kids say, say, like, what do you, what can I do? Like Chris takes responsibility saying, you know, it was because I, I should never have been born. So don't say that, you know, it, yeah. it, you know, we, as kids, that's all we can do. And, you know, Ms. goes, it's natural to blame it yourself, is. you know, yeah. um, says, Oh, my dear Katie, you know, some parents, when they're angry, they get along much better when they don't live together. They don't fight all the time and they can become better people, much better mommies and daddies in you, for you. And sometimes they do get back together and sometimes they don't. And if they don't, dear, don't blame yourself. Just because they don't love each other anymore doesn't mean that they don't love you. There are all sorts of different families, Katie. Some families are one mommy. Some families have one daddy or or two families some children live with their uncle or their aunt some live with their grandparents and some live with foster parents and some live in separate homes and separate neighborhoods and separate areas of the country and they may not see each other for days or weeks or months and even years at a time but if there's love dear those are the ties that bind and you'll have your family in your heart forever all my love to you poppet you're gonna be all right bye-bye that was so so amazingly well to end that movie as they're getting in the car that's the the voiceover you hear and, and, and they're happy and it's just like that when i heard i believe it was on the commentary christopher columbus goes into that there was pushback from the studio about them not getting back together a lot of pushback um, hmm. and- I, yeah, because I think when you think about earlier films and also pushing this model of father, mother, kids, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it's almost like they think that by not setting that as a standard that they're encouraging divorce. I think that's like a big fear that people had back then. But what there is, what's escaping them is that not only is it inevitable that people will split sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it's so not inclusive. It's it's really exclusive to only cater to a uh, an audience where the mom and dad get back together and everything's fine. Yeah. Because there's children in all kinds of situations that I like that at the end he expands, like not just, you know, one dad, one mom, but what about an uncle or a grandparent? You know, he's going on and on because, you know, there's a lot of children raised by their grandparents or an uncle. There's all kinds of situations that happen to kids. Not everybody has this, like, leave it to beaver family. And uh, I think by not exploring that and by not acknowledging it, you're actually excluding a lot of people and making Mm -hmm. them feel bad. Like, that movie would hurt to watch if they get back together and it's like, well, my parents didn't, you know? So very powerful that they went there it it is and just like the studio was just fighting that and columbus rob williams and the original screenwriter was like no this is how they have to move the has to end because if we if we get if we get them back together what does that say to all the kids all the families like in particular the kids like oh mommy and daddy will get back together that's not that's the i mean (laughs) It's yeah, not, it, it doesn't exist. Well, I would love my parents to get back together, but now understanding why, what was going on behind the scenes, I was like, 
that that's unrealistic you know it's, yeah it, it, i feel it, the same it, way it, i love my parents yeah. but you know and and when i was a kid for years i thought that they should have gotten back together and then was when i was an adult i was like you know and and uh, there's always a lot of blame people say like well you made that decision you know you got married or you had a kid it's like you know unfortunately we don't know what's going to happen in the future mm-hmm. and you can't you know uh make somebody suffer the rest of their life for one mistake you yeah. know <laughs> and that mistake could have been getting together or or maybe they were different people when they got together. I mean, people change every ten years. Yeah, um, and, I, so, and I just like that yeah. they fought for that, and that that they got that that original screenwriter and their their vision for it to to remain because just again this the ending with the voiceover, seeing that he's a better person and a better father, and can be a better in a better relationship, not only with his ex wife, but you know future relationships at that point. Yeah, he's, he's better at his job. He's more focused. Uh, and I think when you're talking about earlier him not setting foot in the house, you're right. Like, that's an emotional and physical boundary that he learns not to cross. Mm-hmm. It's like he had trouble with boundaries, I think, at the beginning. Yeah. And even when they were splitting up, he's like, these are our kids. This is our life. Like, he was basically saying it's not optional. Yeah. And then his character growth is like, oh, I can't. I can't do that to people like people have to stay because they want to mm-hmm. not because I mandate it. Um, and so, yeah, him not setting foot back in the house. It's, you know, he's decided and she's decided it's not his house now. And he makes peace with yeah. that. Um, but I mean, it just, it ends on such a perfect note. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, it's a movie. So funny. So many, I mean, there's so many other things we could have talked about. I mean, one of the things I'll mention is like there, for those of you that can see it, the deleted scene, there's a whole sequence with that next door neighbor that oh, really? yeah, apparently uh, <laughs> he was it. Um, she, he knows that she's the one who ratted him out to Miranda about the party and everything like that. So it's Mrs. Uh... Doubtfire. He ends up trying to get back at her by giving her bad advice on how to take care of her azalea bushes and ends up, <laughs> ends up telling her wrong stuff. Ends up killing the azaleas. <laughs> nice so nice. <laughs> uh that was not thrown in there but it's just a great movie just if yeah it, it's i love watching it i i can have that movie on in the background and i can quote i i love rob Williams so much as just an actor himself he he mm-hmm. he inspired me to get into acting in high school in oh that's awesome um, that's why this movie one of the reasons it means a lot is you know, this was one my dad and I would bond over when we saw it in theaters together before my parents got divorced. And we'd always, in our lowest moments, we'd always turn to this movie um, to bring us up. Um, oh, that's wonderful. And, you know, when, you know, like I said, he inspired me to get into acting, just a character and just kind of be this kind of person to, I'm, a, I'm the kind of person that just wants to make people laugh and smile. And, and I know there's always times where, you know, you got to be serious and things like that. But I've, I'm, I like being that kind of sometimes outrageous person where, you know, <laughs> just to make someone laugh makes me feel like a better person. You know, that I bring them a smile to their face. And yeah. And when Rob Williams passed away, it, it, it huh. was, it really, really affected me. Like it was a member of my family passing away just because of how Ugh. much he meant to me. I even, called into the ew serious show to discuss like how much of an impact he had and still does you know i I hate how it happened but you know what he what he was going through i mean it's it's unfortunate 
and it's and it's sad that that it had to happen but he spread so much good joy in the world and and so brought so much happiness to other people you know that's 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 what i like remembering and and you know my my kids are actually were watching before we got on tonight uh aladdin and they really like aladdin and um you know i always think of robin williams just like you know we'll always have those films and i'll always have mrs doubtfire as kind of my one of my early introductions to robin williams yeah it's nice to think back on him positively because like you said it is tragic the way he passed um when you were talking earlier about how you know you like to make people laugh and um, I think I relate to that, too, in the sense that, uh, you know, I, I love to laugh and I laugh all the time, like even on the show, <laughs> like right now. Um, but it's like that's that's the hallmark of, I think, you know, like even like my relationship with my husband or my friends, my family. Mm-hmm. The thing that I find that gives me the biggest connection to people, I have always fallen back on is laughter. Like I feel almost that it can create a bridge so quickly you know if you make someone laugh they instantly relate to you yeah and so that's always been a big part of my life sometimes I felt like even almost to a fault I was saying uh last night that I have a memory as a kid that I was like a real cut up as a little kid and I would joke around constantly Mm -hmm. I was like never serious and I remember one time telling somebody something serious um that I was hurt by or something that had happened and the other person laughed and I was horrified and I thought, you know what? I did this. Yeah. <laughs> I joke around so much. It's like I forget to be serious. So I think, you know, that impacted me from that moment on to like be cautious of, of the mm-hmm. way that you're coming off. Cause, and, and, but that also gave me empathy for whenever I see a character or an actor or somebody go through something like that in a movie. I'm like, that's relatable. Oh, yeah. When you make people laugh all the time, there's always that, you know, possibility of getting your feelings hurt and people not even noticing. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I remember <laughs> that there was talk of a sequel in, I think it was around 2003. I found out like it was going to be written by Bonnie Hunt, but, and Rob was set oh. to come back, but it just went through a lot of script problems and it was scrapped. And then, it started talks again that Robin Williams and Chris Columbus were going to reunite in 2014, um, oh, teaming wow. up to do it. But um, his sudden death obviously put that ending on it. And I'm, I'm kind of glad they didn't do a sequel to it. You know, I get that, you know, as long as it's, I'm always saying, if you're going to do a sequel, you got to love it. You can't just do it just to be money. But I know Hollywood's right. a business and, you know, if you got to, <laughs> but the main function of sequels, yes, yeah, that would be usually to make money from, yeah. their, from their angle. It would just be a movie that's like, I don't know, you know, I quote a line from Kevin Smith, one of his standups. It's like when he got offered Beetlejuice to Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian, it's like, didn't we settle everything in the first Beetlejuice? Must we go tropical? You know, but, uh, didn't yeah, we settle everything in uh... this far one? Must we revisit? It's just impossible to revisit because the entire premise is on the situational comedy of the other person not being aware. Like, in what scenario would he do that again? And how would people not know about his show? Yeah. Like, (laughs) they established he's famous for playing a woman on TV and... It seemed like they were implying people know he's not a woman. Yeah. I don't know. It was, yeah, it it was like Miss Deathfire was going to move close to his daughter's college so that he could keep an eye on her. Um, okay. I think she would be on to him. And by this point, I'm going to start thinking he's a sociopath. <laughs> if he's going to, like, you know, take on all these personas yeah. to spy on his family. I mean, that's not healthy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you really need to go see a psychologist. 
Yeah, that that feels like the sequel would have taken a dark turn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, you know, this isn't one hour photo or whatever. Yes, which I do like that movie. movie. I really, it? really like that movie. He, I swear, he plays some of the best. <laughs> he can play some of the best villains. Like Insomnia plays an outstanding villain. I don't think I've seen either one. Oh. I can't. I I'm ashamed to say. No, that's not. I, I mean, see it? It, it's a one hour photo. It it it's definitely will get under your skin. Just because it, yeah. it, it's, I like movies like that, um, so I'd probably enjoy. But yeah, it. Insomnia, great. I mean, he, I mean, a lot of our best comedians can do great. I mean, he was great in his dramatic I roles too. I mean, just isn't that funny how people have that stereotype of them not being able to do that? I'm like, you know, acting is hard, yeah. right? So if you can make people laugh, uh, that's challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes people discount that they're like, oh, you know, even sometimes directors are like, I want to stop making funny movies. And you're kind of like, you know, it's hard to make people laugh. Oh, yeah. And- as an actor, as a writer, as a director. So you have the same amount of talent just because the Oscars don't mm-hmm. honor it the same way doesn't mean it's not there. Well, I mean, it's yeah, I think either Rob Lazar or another comedian said, of course, I can do drama. I'm up here. You realize most of us are really damaged people, comedians, right? We have we have something <laughs> to screw loose in our head, and we have some dark stuff to work out. Some of us darker than others. But if you ever get a chance, either you or your listeners, if it's on there, I know you know James Lipton had passed away, but you know the show Inside oh, the Actor yeah. Studio when Rob Williams came on years ago, there was so much editing that had to be done because of how long that went on and all the wow. all the stuff. It, it was so so good of him just talking about all his his history and just different things but that that's definitely good but again it's rob williams it pretty much anything he he's touched even some of the bad stuff you can't help but chuckle you know <laughs> oh yeah he's legendary yep. i mean and it's like it makes me want to go rap in bubble rap every other legend that's still around i'm like yeah. no nothing can yeah, happen no, to no. Them. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I guess that brings us to our last couple of questions yeah. here. Uh, why do you like this movie so much? Why do you think you've seen it so many times? Um, you know, as I said, it's it's personal to me just being a, a kid of divorce. Um, it's it's a actor, Rob Williams, that I look up to, um, even though I don't do acting anymore per se. I mean, I'm, even though I'm in education, I do acting in different ways, but sometimes... You know, I channel my Robin Williams, you know, with my kids, with my students, with my friends. Um, and it's it's a movie that, as I said, it's the perfect combination of laugh out loud, gut-wrenching laughter and some serious conversations that doesn't beat you over their head and be preachy, but it, it, it doesn't shy away from the reality of what the movie is dealing with. I, I love that answer. You said it perfectly. I feel a little intimidated. Um, <laughs> I I agree. This in this film is a, a comedy classic, and I worry as time goes on that the you know younger generation won't see Robin Williams the same way we did. So I want people to go back and watch this um, and and see it. And um, yeah, I've seen this movie a ton of times. Like when you picked it, I was like, wow, I saw that so much as a kid um, and loved it so dearly. So, you know, why would I revisit it? I don't know, because I loved it and it's really funny and you should check it out. 
Uh, what's your uh, elevator pitch for this film? Uh, I had to think about this. I had to write it down because I was trying to think. What am I? Nice. Gonna, what am I going to do? So <laughs> you did more more homework. Than oh I no! I mean, this one I just I had to think because I knew it was coming up at that point. I said I got to think about what was something clever. Channel Channel Robin Williams again. I said, all right. I love so, it. you know that story about Mary Poppins? Okay. So now take that, make it funnier, more outrageous, and then add Robin Williams as the divorced father of three who dresses up as a sixty-year-old nanny because he wants to spend more time with them. Dude definitely looks like a lady. That's perfect. And you're right in that when you're saying that description, I am thinking of a lot of other movies that have tried to sort of duplicate this model that are not the same level of endearing, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe not the exact same plot, but like when I think of like your Mr. Moms and other stuff like that, that, that's these like situational family comedies are silly. I feel like this one stands out because Robin Williams is just bringing it to that level oh yeah that i mean just just that whole that whole sequence of you know the dude looks like a lady when he's dancing with the the vacuum and the broom (laughs) and just jamming out at that point i mean that that's just the essence of the whole thing and you know at the what was it at the end of the whole thing like someone tries to steal his purse and he gets in daniel's voices and get back off asshole beat it (laughs) (laughs) yes like it's just so good it just stands out in this you know kind of film so yeah um yeah agree if you haven't seen it just yeah rent it it's it's totally worth it it'll be it'll it'll like i said it'll make you it'll make you laugh it'll make you cry thank you chris balga for coming on the show well thank you very (laughs) thank you very much lisa for having me it's always a great pleasure i love having you on my show i love getting the opportunity to come on your show um again just love gushing about movies that we all we all can enjoy especially in this time just sometimes we just need to laugh yeah i completely agree chris uh where can people find you you can find me on twitter i'm at chris balga uh again my show is world's finest true believers uh you can follow the show at finest believers and uh you can email the show at world's finest true believers.com and if you want to give the show a listen great if you want to do your big comic book or graphic novel fan drop me a line i'd love to get you on the show and talk about it Oh, can we plug the other show you're on too? Oh yes, I, or the I, one that you I, recently I, guessed. I don't on? get to. Yeah. I, I almost. I, Greg will hurt me, and Nathan will hurt me, saying, "How dare you?" Know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm also a co-host of a, a weekly show called the Super Civil Servants uh, Podcast uh, with Greg, Nathan, Katie, and Travis. Um, we just. It's a weekly show where we do a little bit of news, a little bit of fun stuff, a little bit of games, do some commentary tracks, uh, reviews of older movies. At least we had you on for uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship, and I know we're probably going to have you back for finishing out the, the trilogy. Yes, and thank God you did. That was so freaking <laughs> fun to revisit. Um, I just see that movie differently now after hearing all your thoughts and input it was really good so you guys definitely need to check that out oh yeah no it's good i think i think we will be a couple of weeks but i know we did a, a marching up to um uh, rise of skywalker we did commentary track so we still have got to do finally to close it out we have to do a commentary track for rise of skywalker so that'll be nice. coming up in a few weeks but um Awesome. Yeah, we're, the show's coming up on its one-year anniversary, and we'll be Woo-hoo. doing a commentary track on uh, Greg's favorite movie of all time, Man of Steel. Nice. Awesome. Well, yeah, check that out. Uh, if you listen to that one episode, listen to me yes. 
fumble poorly through trivia. Ah, I don't feel bad. I, <laughs> Why I edit the I'm show and I'm not good on the spot. Gl- Je- Greg seems to think it's Jeopardy, but he seems to. Oh yeah, he that's seems true. To, we, we finally called him on it saying we can't still call this Jeopardy. We lack the basic rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the numbers seemed very arbitrary. He's like 400, 500. I'm like, okay. Well, he's, he famously um, said uh, he, he does not do math. And so he we call him on it at I all s- points when he tries to do math. <laughs> well i love it well chris thanks so much for coming on and obviously you will be back so be thinking of more movies to definitely, talk about for sure definitely will thanks again 